my name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Marcus Watson in California of all places and we're talking about helping churches get into the neighbourhood. Welcome to you, Marcus. Thanks, Tina. Glad to be here. It's fantastic to hear that accent as I met Jesus in California <laughs> and uh, we both went to Fuller Theological Seminary, funnily enough, so it's wonderful to have you on the show and your expertise really is in this space of helping churches get into the neighbourhood. But first of all, there is a Hollywood connection to your life, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well... I'll keep it short. As a kid, I wanted to make it big in Hollywood. That was my dream for as long as I could remember. I wanted to be an actor first, you know, movie star. And then I got a little older. I'm like, no, director. Near the end of college, I got an internship in Hollywood. And that was great. Uh, I worked as a production assistant, which sounds kind of impressive at first, but it's actually the bottom of the totem pole. It's like, go get coffee, make copies, you know. <laughs> I assist with the, with the production. Anyway, it was great for a while. And I got to work on the 1994 Clio Awards, which is like the Oscars for best commercials, you know, and um, I got to work on a, a Muppets music video. That was super fun. I got to talk to uh, the guy who does the great Gonzo briefly in uh, while we were standing in line for uh, lunch. <laughs> and I said, that was amazing watching you guys do that. And he goes, well, it's been amazing doing it for 20 years. And now that was almost 30 years ago. But uh, yeah, that was super fun. Lots of uh, celebrities because celebrities love the Muppets, right? And so got to sort of meet a lot of celebrities. Helen Hunt remembered my name. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> so anyway, I did that for a little while. And then after a couple of years, I just sort of developed this love-hate relationship with Hollywood. I realized that if I was going to succeed in Hollywood, I was going to have to make that the number one priority in my life. And I couldn't do it. You know, I was a follower of Jesus and I was active in my church and developing as a leader, you know, in our college and career ministry. And I just kind of started to realize that's kind of more where my heart is. But oh no, what's I, what do I do with my Hollywood dream? You know, and so I uh, got to the point where I just kind of gave it up. And that was that was really one of the hardest things I ever did, um, certainly at least up until that point, because it was like cutting off my arm. It was this dream had been with me all my life. And then to let it go was really, really hard. And I didn't know what to do. And I ended up actually, I ended up at Fuller because I thought, well, I live nearby, you know, maybe I'll figure things out while I'm there. Uh, I thought maybe I'd do a media ministry, but that wasn't it. You know, God called me to eventually become a pastor, which I sort of resisted or felt reluctant about because my dad's a pastor and I love my dad and he's great, but that was his thing. And so that to embrace it as my thing, that was a a process. <laughs> but I did eventually, and um, I'm glad I did. 
Absolutely. What a journey. And uh, I remember interviewing someone actually, you may remember this, <laughs> listening today of uh, another guy from Australia who said no to Hollywood and yes to Jesus, a similar story, hmm. which is fascinating as well. Yeah. So you went to Fuller and then you got into pastoring churches and, and now you're in this space of solely, really, I know you are uh, an interim pastor somewhere, uh, well, not somewhere, out there two hours east of San Diego, <laughs> but you are primarily helping churches get into the neighbourhood. So give me the brief journey from going to Fuller to now landing in this space where you're running your own ministry at marcuswatson.com. Yeah, so after seminary, I got ordained as a pastor uh, in the Presbyterian denomination, and um, I became an associate pastor in northern Kentucky. That's where my first congregation was, and I was uh, kind of focusing on youth, and that was great. And then from there came to San Diego, and I was a senior pastor, for the, or solo pastor, but head of, head of the congregation, you know, senior pastor. And so here's the transition um, from what my expectations were there to kind of what I do now. I thought I was going to be the pastor of this church, you know, till I retired. I mean, that was kind of my, my hope, was long-term, be with this congregation for a long time. And it was great for about seven and a half years, and then things got really ugly and toxic the last year that I was there. And so there's a long story here. I'm going to keep it real short, but um, there were some false accusations, and I ended up getting voted out of this church. And I never thought actually that I would be a pastor again after that. What that experience did was, uh, well, a couple things. It was one of the most formative experiences of my life, and it was actually in the midst of that really, what was a, a really dark time, that I experienced the love of God in a way that I had never experienced before, and it just became more real to me than it had ever been before. It clarified for me what the mission of God really is, which is not to make our churches bigger or to make our campuses bigger or improve our budgets or whatever it is. Those are fine, nothing wrong about them, but that's not the mission, you know? And um, so I ended up working for uh, an organization called Flourish San Diego for a couple of years, nonprofit, and really loved it. A friend of mine had started this organization a few years earlier, and having come out of that toxic situation, it was a really healing place for me to be, uh, where I didn't have to be in charge for a little while. And I got to lead pastors uh, during that time. I got to you know, do some training and some coaching, and I started to realize, oh, this is this feels pretty good. I, I like this, you know. And then uh, while I was doing that, I was also guest preaching and ended up uh, guest preaching quite a bit at this tiny little church about two hours east of San Diego, and then became their interim pastor, which I wasn't sure at first if I was going to enjoy it, <laughs> going back into pastoring. But they were wonderful, and they were right for me, and I was right for them. And so that was a real gift. And that combination of having been at Flourish and now being an interim pastor, I kind of came to this realization, I think my calling now is not necessarily to pastor one church for the rest of my life, but to help churches, plural. You know, and so serving as an interim is one of the ways that I live this out. My podcast is one of the ways I live this out. Um, doing some coaching and, uh, you know, my online course and all that is one of the ways, and my, my book is one of the ways that I live this out, just to help churches do what? Fulfill the mission of God, right? And so with this little church, um, tiny little, tiny town, 2,000 people in this town, 800 households, 
and uh, five churches in that town, right? So the church isn't going to grow, <laughs> right? That, that was off the table. I, my, my calling was not to get this church to be bigger. My calling was, uh, as their pastor, was to help them figure out how are we called to be the people of God in this community. And so we had some great conversations early on. Uh, actually, even before I, I became their interim pastor, I you know had conversations with their elders you know after church when I would guest preach for them, and I, I asked them one day. I said, uh, you know, you've got this great campus, and it's small, but it was clean, it was good. You know, they had a good kitchen, and I said, you've got this great campus. What do you guys do besides church on Sunday mornings? And they said, oh, hmm. yeah, you know, not, nothing really. <laughs> and I said, well, what else could you do? So that just kind of got their wheels turning, their mind churning, you know, and uh, and they tried a few things. They tried a, a health fair, which was good, um, but it wasn't it, right? It wasn't exactly the right thing. And so they may have tried a couple other things as well, but then they tried a food pantry and that was it, right? That was the thing that kind of where their passion and their skill set uh, met the needs of the community. There's that. Beekner quote. I can't remember how it goes, but uh, you know, your calling is where the world's deep meet, and your your gift, your passion, right, connect. And that's what happened for this church. And so, they've been doing this uh, food pantry every Thursday night for uh, four years now, and um, at least a hundred families every week. You know, a hundred families out of eight hundred households. You know, lots of food insecurity in this town. And so anyway, right, so that's what I'm passionate about, is helping churches discover how are we uniquely called and gifted to fulfill God's mission in this place and at this time. And I'll just say something about God's mission, right? I, I, I believe that the mission of God is to restore shalom in the world. That's kind of the short way of saying it. Shalom being this comprehensive state of well-being that touches every aspect of life. And so that includes shalom between us and God, well-being, reconciliation between us and God. That's the salvation part, right? But then also shalom between us and each other and between us and the creation and within our own selves, right? So an inner wholeness, an inner shalom that God wants for us. And so, you know, and some may be called more to reconciling people to God. Some may be called more to helping to restore shalom between people or between people in the creation or inner shalom or different, you know, different people within a congregation may be more gifted in one way or another. So anyway, you know, how do we discover how we are uniquely called to bless this community, right? Where we, where we live. That's what I want to help, help churches and pastors do. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love that because obviously that's what we are about at Evangelism in Australia. We're trying to encourage everybody, every believer, to somehow reach out to the world around them that doesn't know Christ. I was intrigued by your comment just then that when you went to this smaller town where God has positioned you, you realized your job wasn't to grow this church to be a large church, basically because of the population around you, which is a great way to get an insight, a fresh insight on the mission of God being the people around us. So let's talk a little bit about I've read quite a bit about you and I would encourage people to look into our show notes and connect with your um with your book and your course and 
buy the book for your senior minister or your leaders of your church. It's so, so very helpful. Talk to me, Marcus, about these neighbourhood connection groups which have become a way for people to really reach their neighbourhood for Jesus. What a neighborhood connection group does is what happened at this church that I just described to you, but it happened a little bit more organically there. So you know, sometimes you just need a framework or a structure to help a congregation engage in their neighborhood and be intentional about connecting with people and listening to God and and discerning, okay, how are we called to, to love and serve this community? So a neighborhood connection group basically consists of six to 12 people in a congregation, uh, they engage in a process of action reflection. Uh, It's a fancy word that just means they do something and then they reflect on it. They talk about it and they do something more and then they talk about it some more, you know? Um, So they, uh, what's the action part? The action part is they intentionally engage in some way in their neighborhood. And it might be something that they're already doing, you know? Um, They don't have to necessarily add something to their schedule we're all busy, right? And God wants to work through the places where we're already active and engaged, right? And so if, you know, if you've got kids on a soccer team, you know, maybe just go and go to your kids' soccer games, you know, and engage then, talk then with the other moms and dads that are there. That's one of the ways that you can engage in your neighborhood, you know? Someone once was involved in an investing club, you know, (laughs) and she had been involved in that for a long time. So she said, that's the way that I'm going to engage in my community. Just and then with intentionality, pay a little bit more attention to the conversations that that you're having, right? Listening to people, um, asking good questions, or paying attention to what God is already doing in people's lives, in the neighborhood, in, in the community. And then that's the action part. Then you come together once a month or so over the course of maybe, you know, six to 10 months. And the group, all of whom have engaged in the neighborhood in some way during that month, then they talk about it. Spend some time in scripture, listening to God, and then you spend some time listening to each other. And each person just shares, this is what I experienced in my neighborhood engagement over the course of the past month. And then they pray together for the community, for the people that they encounter, for the stories that they're hearing. And you do that for for several months. And over time, right, you begin to discern and, and discover, oh, I, I see some patterns here. Here's what God is doing. You shared this about that experience, and, and you shared this, and there seems to be a, a common theme, you know. Um, at one of my churches, one of the themes that came out was gardening. And there were there were homes a few in in our neighborhood right around the church that actually they were growing corn in the front yard <laughs> and uh, or tomatoes in the front yard we're like there's something about gardening here and so after a period of action and reflection we said let's try starting a community garden and this church did and it was fantastic and then after a year there they they realized wow this is really we're really connecting with people here right and the neighborhood knows who we are and we can expand it and so and so we did anyway so this action reflection process will then uh, as the framework is sort of outlined uh, lead to a ministry experiment and i call it an experiment on purpose um, because it doesn't have to succeed it's okay if it doesn't um, but we need to try something the the other thing about all this is that we live in a time when the old ways 
of being church, of doing church, of doing ministry don't really work anymore. You know, I grew up in Campus Crusade for Christ and I learned, I got very good at sharing the four spiritual laws. And, you know, it kind of worked uh, sometimes and so, people really did come to faith sometimes. Sometimes maybe they just wanted me to get off their back. I don't know. <laughs> you know, some of them I never saw again because we were at the beach in Florida, you know, but um, those kinds of practices, um, it's just different now, right? And so one of the challenges for the church is we don't really know how to be the church that the world needs us to be. The world doesn't know what we need them to be either, but we don't really know what what we need to be for the church. And so experimenting, trying things out, um, like a community garden or, or like uh, trying a, a health fair, which didn't really work. It was fine. A few people showed up. But that didn't really work. But then the food pantry was the next experiment or one of the next experiments. And that that worked, right? So we just need to try things. But not just try things blindly. Try things based on a process of engaging in the neighborhood, having conversations, listening to our neighbors, and then listening to God and sharing with each other, reflecting together, listening to each other, and then sort of from a, from a place of having learned something Okay, now let's try something. And so it's iterative. You know, you maybe you do it a few times and and maybe you don't hit the nail on the head the first time, but maybe you do the second time or the third time. And then, right, oh, here's here's how we are wired. And it's amazing. Um, this little church in this little town became not like famous, and that, and that's not the goal, but they just became known as oh, Westmoreland Presbyterian Church has a you know has a great food pantry in that part, and it's also a small county. But the county regional government knew if we need to do some sort of outreach to citizens in that part of the county, let's connect with Westmoreland because they've got a connection to the community. It's kind of amazing, right? <laughs> Nobody expected that, and yet that was part of the outcome. And at the church with the community garden, the principal at the local high school contacted me and said, hey, can you help us set up a community garden at our school? Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll, we'll help. Um, so what about, what about um, telling people about Jesus? Well, that's going to come too, right? Because what we're doing is we're being a blessing to our neighbors. And the more that we are a blessing to our neighbors, the more people will actually listen to the message of Jesus, you know, to the gospel. And, um, and so that, that comes with the blessing. So that, that's kind of how the neighborhood connection groups works. Yeah. I love the model. And as I listen to you, I'm thinking, oh, I'm so thankful that you've actually taken the time to actually do the process, but then actually think through a bit of a model. Cause I love pathways myself, Marcus. I love to know, oh, okay, well, how could we get here? What's a potential way? Not that I want it to be some magical formula, but I just like and appreciate well thought through um, models that can be um, multiplied. And this type of a model can be multiplied into any setting, which is really important. I, I guess that what you're saying is as you meet the need in your neighborhood or as you discover that need of where God's at work, you get to form some really authentic relationships with people that then afford us the opportunity to connect authentically, but then also to share our story as it's appropriate. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and that was true in both of those examples with the food pantry and with the community garden. Community garden you know, would, would start to have, I mean, they, they, after 
it opened and within the first couple months just started doing monthly dinners. Everybody bring your the stuff you've grown and uh, turn it into a dish and we'll sit together in the garden and we'll eat together. And that led to all kinds of fantastic conversations, right? And some of them even came to church. <laughs> some of them, you know, that's a blessing, right? I don't like to say that that's the goal to get them to church on Sunday, but but if they do, we want to bless them there too, you know? Um, the goal is to bring healing and wholeness into their lives, you know, whether they come to our church on Sunday or even connect with some other faith community. Um, and then with the uh, the food pantry, one of our uh, parishioners was sort of the key person, um, just a real kind of doer, you know, you need a few doers in your congregation. She was like that. And she, she was the one who really made it happen. And um, I was talking with her about the food pantry, maybe a year or so after it had started. And one of the things she said to me, is, you know, Marcus, what's really great is that the people who come to the food pantry are becoming our friends, um, as opposed to just people who receive our benefit, you know, the benefits that we provide, <laughs> you know, re- recipients of just food, you know, no, no, we're in relationship with them. And, you know, the truth is, it was a blessing to our congregation too, right? We were also recipients of the blessing that they brought to us just in the relationship. And it's amazing. At, at my church where uh, we had the community garden, I remember one person saying, you know, it feels like our church is bigger than it is, meaning I think that there was a certain energy uh, that that was there because of that. Same thing with the the, the church in Westmoreland with the, um, the food pantry. It brought a new kind of energy so that, you know, whereas before there was this anxiety, how do we get people to come to church on Sunday? Oh, no. You know, what if we can't? What if what if nobody comes? Well, it doesn't matter because Thursday night was fantastic, you know, <laughs> and uh, and everybody got what they needed uh, to feed their families on Thursday night. And if 10 people show up on Sunday, which I think 12 was our lowest, <laughs> but if 12 people come on Sunday, that's okay. You know, we'll still worship together. We'll still spend some time in the scriptures together and we'll pray together. And then we'll go back on Thursday night and we'll love the people in our neighborhood again. And um, that's how I understand what God wants to do in the world, right? Bless, we are called to be a blessing to the people around us, to be open-handed towards them, inviting them into relationship with their creator. Um, but also I think not imposing, not forcing, not not uh, twisting their arms, you know, just loving them and uh, and openly saying, yeah, this is who we are. If you want to know our Jesus, you hear, we'll tell you about him. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I just, every bit of me on the inside is like, yep, love that, absolutely love that. And just love what God is doing in the earth right now. We're hearing, uh, Marcus, you know, lots of stories like this. Uh, I love the framework that you've put around this, so I can't thank you enough. So I'm going to, in the show notes, um, drop in all the information for the Spiritual Life and Leadership podcast with Marcus, also his book, which is super cheap. I've seen on Amazon. I'm going to uh, get that and buy it for a few leaders myself. I love the fact that you've got a free course also that I can do, Marcus, which is wonderful. And so everything is at marcuswatson.com. Marcus, is there anything that you want to say that I haven't given you an opportunity to say about this space, about helping churches get into the neighbourhood? I think the main thing is um, it's hard to shift the way we think about why we exist as the church. Um, 
I was just talking with someone today about adaptive challenges, you know, and having to, and he was talking about helping his church shift from thinking of mission as an event to mission as a lifestyle, or we could say evangelism as an event or evangelism as a lifestyle. That's the challenge. That's the process that we, I think, as the church, at least in the West, you know, Western culture, are, are trying to um, trying to trying to accomplish, trying to embrace, trying to work through is is shifting our our congregations, our churches, the people that we lead from. I'm here to to uh, get my spiritual goods and services on Sunday mornings. To I'm a participant with God in His mission of shalom for the world. And anyway, that's. Uh, that's what I'm passionate about. I I I think uh, I think God's doing it. I think uh, there are, we're we're getting there, um, but we do have a ways to go. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely, that is definitely what I'm you know seeing the Lord doing in my own life in in the uh, world that I live in out here in Australia. So, Marcus, thank you so much for giving us your time today, and bless you with everything you're doing. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.